Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. What is up, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys so much for chiming in to the latest episode of Rangers Review. Myself, Wardy, alongside Statboy Steven. This is the Artemi Anisimov episode. My memory is not mistaken. That's what I think of right away when I think 42. So I'm excited to get into this one. Not so happy to get into the fact that we don't have games. We haven't had games for a little bit, and we won't until after Christmas. So Steven and I will be going over the last three games for the Rangers that actually transpired, how they fared, you know, the positives, the negatives. Then we'll be getting into really the freeze that is the entire NHL right now until the post-holidays. We'll also be looking at individual performances, the heatle benching that transpired during one of these games, and overall just what we can expect for the Rangers and then their upcoming schedule after Christmas. So a lot to get into in this one, including a prospects update too, I'm sure, as long as we don't forget. But yeah, plenty to deep dive. But before I go any further, Stephen, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Doing well. Um, you know, our last recording before, oh, our last recording of the year. Um, you know, uh, yeah, yes, that's a good point. Arthur Manisimov is the first play I think of with the number forty-two. Uh, so he will definitely come up at the end when we go over the list of Rangers wearing number forty-two. Um, yeah, interesting um, developments, of course, in the league. Uh, also, World Juniors, where they go with 50% capacity. Um, you know, some some Ranger prospects that are doing really well up in Canada in the in the in juniors. Uh, not the guys that we usually talk about in Othman and Cooley, but Ryder Korzak that we'll dive into a little bit. So yeah, enough to uh, to discuss over the last over the next what hour and a half. Yeah, I mean hour hour and a half. We'll see how fast or slow we go about this, right? Um, but. Yeah, like I said, I'm excited to get into it. And if you're watching live, uh, thank you guys so much for being here on YouTube. As you see, we actually changed the YouTube panel. It's no longer Warrior NHL, especially Rangers Review. I have my good friend, Dennis Simone, who was able to come up with the logo for us. I'm going to put, um, after this goes live, links in the description towards his website. He's just done great work doing actually helmets of the goalie mask designs for a lot of players in the NHL, including Mike Richter, back for Team USA. He's currently working on, I'm not sure if he's done with it. He can't use it, unfortunately, because the NHL is out on the Olympics. We'll touch on that shortly. But he was working on Carter Hart's helmet for Team Canada, which is really cool. He's interacted with a lot of other players, too. But was beyond nice to reach out to me to design our Rangers Review logo. So it's brand new. Absolutely love it. The shout One again. Question. To- yeah. One question. Why is it not in the top left? Oh, sorry, you froze for a second, Steven. But the reason oh, why no. it's not oh, no, no. in the top left corner is because I haven't changed the template yet. That That's okay. the only reason why, because it's it's all preset. So I'll have to go and Photoshop and do all that fun stuff. Okay. It's on the thumbnail, though, so it's yeah. okay. But yeah, again, shout out to Dennis. I'll have the link to his website in the description uh, for you guys to check it out should you be interested uh, after this is live. And if you're listening on replay, wherever you get your podcast, thank you guys for being here, too. But like I said, we got a lot again, too, so enough of the chit-chat. Let's start off by saying I know that the Montreal game didn't happen because that's been postponed, so we are still going to count those three games as to who was closer. You obviously won, uh, but if you want to go over the details, I know the Rangers went 1-1-1 one, one, and one over the past three games, and, yeah, I, I, I was feeling ballsy and went 4-0. and 
I I don't know why. I, I really don't know why for that stretch, especially. It was just kind of one of those spontaneous things that occur to me. But I, I went with it. And I think I said like 16 goals, like a schmuck too. Or yeah, yeah, wait, four, yeah. yeah, 16. So yeah, what what were the totals here, goals wise? And I know losses. You, you were closest, so the title's back with you. But yeah, yeah, uh, I went in with with one two one. So uh, in the absence of that <laughs> one game that was postponed, I I got the closest. Uh, the number of goals in those three games for the Rangers, they had two, three, and two, so seven in total. Okay. So on, there was no way you were gonna win this. Yeah. Yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't feel like it was going to happen either. But I also want to shout out Jim, who's a great supporter, friend of mine, uh, baseball wise for Ball Cap Sports, who chimed into the live stream. So hello to you, hello to everyone for chiming in, folks. But yes, you take that belt, you enjoy it, Stephen. It is what it is. It won't be long until I get it back, but it'll be a little <laughs> on for you because we'll of see. the delay with all the games going on, right? But I will, I will, I will carry it over the holidays. Okay. Yes. Yes, you will. So enjoy, enjoy that. Joy during the holiday break, but let's get into the Rangers because again, this all started with their game against the Colorado Avalanche for a second time in around a week span. And unfortunately, just like the first time they played them, they fared the same. The Rangers lost this game, and it was it was a frustrating one. They lost four to two, and um, I saw definitely a lot of the same struggles that we saw in that first game. Even though that you had the debut of Huska. So he was giving up some soft goals in that first one. Um, so I wasn't blaming everything on how the Rangers were playing in the beginning, but something that became increasingly obvious in this Colorado Ranger game part two, right? Was just how much more advanced Colorado looked at times. And that's been the biggest gripe. The biggest concern with the Rangers so far is we need to see them be competent against above 500 teams. You know, the teams that have been dominating in recent years and the Rangers at this point have proven that they can hang with clubs, but they have they're they're not on that next level yet, and that's okay. I don't really necessarily expect them to, but there are higher expectations now, and they need to make sure that they do their best uh, game in and game out. But they lose Colorado again four two thanks to Miko Rantanen uh, starting things off in the first period uh, halfway through his thirteenth of the year, assisted by McKinnon and Burakovsky. Then Kel McCarr does what McCarr does best; he gets a really nice shut off. For his 13th goal of the year at this point, Kale McCarr, 13 goals. And this one, just ridiculous how amazing of an offensive weapon he is on that back end for Colorado. Assisted by McKinnon and Kadri on the power play. And then we get on to the second period. Ryan Strom gets his sixth of the season. Halfway mark, assisted by, of course, Fox and Panarin. And then we get Valerie Nachushkin uh, right towards the end of the period. Nachushkin, I was a big fan of his when he was originally drafted. High draft pick by the Dallas Stars. Uh, was underwhelming with them for a bit. Went to the KHL, came back, and completely redefined himself as a player. Going from really being an offensive weapon to just really strong in both ends as a two-way kind of power forward type. Nachushkin gets his eighth of the season, assisted by Confer and Kadri. And then the third period, a nice goal by Julian Gauthier for his second of the year. Great to see that for the youngster, assisted by Hunt and Goudreau. But then Nachushkin, again, a poor play. Right after the faceoff, uh, I don't even I don't even recall exactly what it was. Right off the faceoff, towards the end of the game, Nachushkin gets a breakaway for a second, and that really that's all she wrote for the Rangers in this one. So saw a lot of takeaways that I uh, giveaways I did not like from the Rangers side things in this one, and it, it was just a frustrating game overall. Definitely a game I wish that they would have had a better performance for obvious reasons. Um, you know, shots were twenty eight to thirty one in favor of Colorado. 
faceoffs. Rangers won 54 to 46. Again, this is why the Rangers lost. They can't be winning faceoffs, clearly, because it doesn't amount to success right away. Um, but all jokes aside, power play. Rangers went 0 for 2. Colorado 1 for 6. Penalties endlessly in this game. Rangers just were sloppy in a lot of different aspects of this one. And then hits Rangers uh, uh, benefit over Colorado 19 to 13. Blocks 18 to 13 in the Rangers' favor and giveaways around the same at six and five apiece. So, yeah, a frustrating game. Alexander Georgiev uh, wasn't necessarily the problem the entire game. Um, definitely had some bad, bad bounces for the Rangers in this one. And, yeah, definitely a frustrating one against a team that you'd like to see them have a better performance against, even though that, yes, Colorado is one of the best teams in the league. So, Stephen, any further takes on this matchup before we get into the matchup against the Arizona Coyotes? Uh, no, no, best to just, just just stop talking about it and forget it. Yeah, the, the only other thing that we can note is that this was also the game that Artemi Panarin was injured. As many of you guys know, Panarin did get injured in this one. He's back now. We'll be getting into that further throughout the episode here, which is great to see because uh, we haven't talked it a bit. But yeah, Breadman, I do believe, got hurt in this one, and he's now back, though, back practicing, which is great to see, and he should be ready to go once the Rangers are back after the holidays. But yeah, Steven, take it away with the positive, which was the game against the Coyotes. Yeah, you say positive. The only thing else uh, that was positive about this game was the final score. Let's put it. Let's, yeah, let's be yeah no, it was, it was, it was, it shouldn't have been nearly as close as what it was for a large it portion. Was, I agree. It was a terrible game. The only thing worse than the Rangers' performance on the ice was the lighting in the arena. Oh my um, God. Oh yeah. Ugh. Dude. It, it, it reminded me of those shopping centers you see in movies in the 1970s, you know? I feel like this isn't the first – I feel like I normally find myself noticing that when they play in Arizona too. It's it's. I've been to Arizona. It's not a bad arena. It's actually a really nice – the outdoor area <coughs> is really nice. The arena is pretty good. It's just when you – there's some. there has to be something wrong with their camera setup because Could be. it, it looks so off. But – to be fair, so did the Rangers. Uh, you know, they they give up a shorthanded goal. Uh, huge mistake by Adam Fox. Uh, Louis Erickson, of all people, scoring. Talk about players. first. Makes sense to give up the first to the legend himself, Louis Erickson. Of course. If if your career is struggling, the, the best you can hope for is a game against the Rangers. <laughs> uh, it was assisted by Clayton Keller and Ilya Yubushkin, which is uh, a name that you don't hear that often, but he got on the score sheet on, in this one. Uh, that first period, the less we say about it, again, the less we say about it, the better. Um, it was a terrible game, terrible first period. Second period wasn't much better, but we do tie it up halfway through the second period. Kapo Kako with his fourth uh, goal of the season, assisted by Zibanejad and Kreider. Um, and it was uh, it was a good goal. Kako had a, had a bad first period, but... In the second period, he started to play better. He made some rushes up the ice, and he started to make the right plays, and it resulted in a goal eventually. So the Rangers take a 1-1 one, one tie into the third period, uh, and then they concede another goal. Clayton Keller, assisted by Nick Schmaltz and former Ranger Anton Strollman, making it 2-1. And honestly, at that point, I I did not have any faith in this team pulling pulling a, a win a, a win out of the bag with uh, against his team. Um, but they do, Mika Zibanejad, uh, getting a goal on the power play, uh, assisted by Fox and Kreider. And then in the uh, in the final three minutes of the game, 
Um, it's another goal by Capocaco, his fifth of the season on the power play, uh, assisted by Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider, by the way, who had three assists in this game. Yeah, uh, he nearly like doubled game, his season total. Uh, yeah, coming into the game, he uh, he 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 was he wasn't great. He had a four-game uh, <coughs> pointless streak, an index streak it was minus three, and in his entire career, going all the way back to 2012, uh, he only had a streak like this or worse twice. So it was it was time Kreider was due getting three assists. You know, he he ends the um, the drought, uh, and then Kako with a power play game-winning goal. Um, and, you know, great goal by Kako. Uh, he definitely needed that. Uh, and with that second goal, uh, Kako hit 50 points in his career. Um, and I looked it up. He's only the eighth player in Rangers history to hit 50 points before turning 21. Who are the uh, other the seven? Last one, the last one was Alexei Kovalev. And before that, we had Troy Mallette, Brian Leach, Thomas Sandstrom, Mike Allison, Don Murdoch. And the first one to do it was Ron Greshner. Oh, um, nice. But what what was even more impressive, and this is this all ties into young players not really getting chances on the power play, and this is not something that has only been happening the last couple of years. It's been a Rangers team. Um, Capo Caco is the youngest Ranger since Thomas Sandstrom to score a game and go on the power play. Thomas Sandstrom did it on October twenty seventh, nineteen eighty four, a day before I was born. Wow. And he's only the sixth player, age 20 or younger, to score a game when it go on the power play in Rangers history. And for the other four, we have to go back to 1976 with Don Murdoch, 1953 with Camille Henry and Harry Howell, and 1936 with Matt Colville. So just to put that into perspective, since 1953, he's only the third player, age 20 or younger, to score a game when it go on the power play for the Rangers. This team has good. never really had players good enough at a young age to get those power play minutes and to be productive on the power play. So, um, yeah, great for Kako to get two goals in and uh, to get the win for the Rangers. 3-2 win in Arizona. Uh, and it was their first win in almost four years against the Arizona Coyotes. Because in David Quinn's entire tenure, they did not beat the Coyotes. I think they were 0-3 under David Quinn. Of course they were. The last time they won, and I remember this because I was at that game, uh, January 2018, um, under Elaine Vigneault, um, I think Derek Stepan scored the uh, power, the, the, the game-winning goal in a shootout. Um, that was also a terrible game, by the way. And then the following day, they lost to Vegas. Oh, wait, um, I remember that shootout. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, that actually hit me. Did he score like in typical Stepan fashion? <laughs> Mika Zibanejad had the game-winning goal for for the Rangers, of course, but Stepan uh, was on the opposite side for the for the Coyotes at the time. Oh, um, okay, okay, yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's yeah. right, because he got traded in 2017. Okay, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but look, I'm, I'm glad we're finally beating the Coyotes again. You know, the fact that we had to wait almost four years to beat them <clears> is pretty pretty embarrassing. Of course, there was last season where we didn't play them at all. But we did play them, I think, three or four times in between, and, and we just we, we couldn't beat them. And then in the final seconds of the game, there's a scrum that ensues in front of Kincaid because Kincaid was in net for the Rangers. Um, and um, uh, Phil Kessel uh, went head-to-head -head with, uh, with Ryan Lindgren, 
there was an interesting scrum there. Uh, yeah, it was. The Rangers pull a win out of the bag. Keith Kincaid with 29 saves on 31 shots. Um, and look, I'm going to say something that, that some fans might not really agree with. but it Sounds I like love, a very Stephen take. I love Keith Kincaid's... Uh, um, what's the word? Tribute to Mike Richter with the with the pads, but those pads cost us a goal. That the Arizona Coyotes, the first goal was scored because of those pads. If he wears normal pads like every other NHL goalie, that puck does not go in the net on the first goal. I'm, okay. So I'm, I'm all for a tribute, but do it and do it in like an All Star game or something, or or practice for the AHL. Don't do it in the NHL because those, I mean, those smaller pads almost cost us a win. That. Okay, that, that's I definitely wasn't expecting to hear that out of you, but I will say to be devil's advocate here for Keith Kin- Kincaid, who's only getting a handful of appearances for the Rangers this year, I'm gonna allow it. But if he was a normal backup, I think maybe we could have a deeper discussion on the thinness, thickness of the pads. That's my take. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure no one will will talk about it since we got the win. But, I, you're um... you're the first person to actually bring that up. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's uh, all i yeah. have to say on that one um but the other point i have about this game adam fox was not great um he's allowed to have a couple of stinkers he's <laughs> had them now um you know he wasn't he wasn't great against the vegas golden knights either but you'll get into that in a minute uh but still i mean the kids has 31 points in 30 games he's on pace to be over a point per game I, if I, I i'd have to look it up but the Last defenseman I remember to hit 82 points in a full season was Eric Carlson. Yeah, no, you're probably it's it's Carlson or or Burns, right? It's got to be one of those two. Yeah, so um, interesting to see what's going to happen for the remainder of the season. But Rangers get a win, and that's that's all we care about at the end of the day. But yeah. it was it was it was it wasn't pretty. No, it wasn't pretty. You're right, and I mean. Naturally, I always appreciate goals on the power play. Some of the Rangers have been doing very well uh, mm-hmm. for a good portion of the season now. Um, you know, so to see Zbanjag get that snipe and then Kako, you know, to bury it with right around two or so minutes left. You know, I was very happy to see that Kako yeah. taking advantage of the further ice time, giving it to him play just under 20 in this one. Lafreniere, even though he didn't get on the score sheet and wasn't necessarily anything crazy, he was in a spot where he had over 17 minutes. And I I like I appreciate that. I, I like to see the kids get the ice time. Um, because naturally that's gonna lead to success one way or the other for them. And and you know, I know this was uh, born out of necessity with the Panarin injury, but I really liked how the power play looked with Nika <coughs> on the left, Kreider on the right, and Kako and Strom in the middle. I really yeah. liked the way that first power play unit looked. Yeah, no, I I did too. I de- I th- thought it brought some balance, and as we said before. You know, Panarin and Mika, we feel is best if they're just separate because it just gives yeah. you more depth between your two power plays. So that way, as you always preach, we can have more than just 20 seconds of power play, too, right? So, you know, I'm with you on that one as well. Yeah. But to recap on the statistics again of this one, Rangers Coyotes shots 31 to 30 apiece. Rangers actually won the faceoff dot and won the game. But up until the last couple of minutes, they weren't supposed to win the game. So I don't know how much you want to count it. Uh, Rangers are 66 to Arizona's abysmal 34%. Arizona doing their best Rangers impression here at the faceoff dot. Rangers two for three on the power play. Arizona over two. Uh, hits 27 to 29 in Coyotes' favor. 
blocks nine eight in Rangers favor and giveaways in Rangers favor with less uh, five to seven. So yeah, it uh, wasn't a pretty one for the Rangers. They need a win though. Um, it's nice to see the Rangers at least uh, be able to uh, get those goals when it matters most in the end. This is a team that you need to do it against. If you're going to underperform, at least try to make up for it in the end. And thankfully, the Rangers were able to do just that. But uh, getting into a game where I thought the Rangers played far better, but just found themselves falling short, really frustrating, given the one period that stood out to me the most uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. This was a big matchup for them as well against one of the other better teams in the league. You know, for them to lose against Colorado the last two times, the way that they did to lose to Nashville, you know, the narrative has continued with the Rangers and struggling against these better teams. And this was a game the Rangers should have had. I mean, simply put, this was a spot where I really would have liked to see them win. And, of course, the scoring opened up by everyone's favorite former New York Ranger, Brett Howden, scoring his third of the year because it was inevitable. I mean, you could have – I could have – I really should have put a bet down for Brett Howden scoring tonight. I would have been making a lot of money. Um, There's two types of players that always score against the Rangers. It's former players or rookies. Yes. Or former players or rookies, bet money on it. If the opponent has has a rookie goalie, just, just put money on a shutout. I still have Jake Genzel's rookie uh, first career goal against Hank just like drilled in my head. I it just yeah, every day I get a di- I get a different memory of a of a first career goal for a player. But um, putting that aside again, Howden opens the scoring. Uh, Rangers weren't able to do much in the first, but then getting on to the second, it was Rangers big time. You know, right, literally, uh, you know, in the beginning with not even twenty seconds into the uh, second period. Mika Zibanejad scores a nice one, his seventh of the year, assisted by Kreider and Miller. Kreider continuing to get on that assist streak. Like to see that. He also then scores, helps himself. Kreider with his 18th of the year on the power play. Kreider doing what he does best. This guy has just been at an all-star pace all year long. Goal scoring in front of the net, getting those great deflections, tip-ins, whatever it takes on the power play. He's just been otherworldly all season long for the Rangers. And I, I, we have both appreciated it immensely so far this season. 18th of the year, assisted by Zvanjad and Strom. And then we get on to the third period. Unfortunately, Dylan um, Coughlin, uh, the rookie, I believe, third goal of the season, assisted by Haig and Howden. So Howden has his two-point game. I wonder if that's his first two-point game of the season. Wouldn't surprise me if that's the case either. Uh, but then the Rangers go on to the shootout, and unfortunately, they lose out on that one. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights would go on the next game uh, to play the Islanders. And they would do the exact same thing, would win in a shootout. So they went in, they swept New York. Unfortunate uh, for us Ranger fans. That was a game, again, I really want to see the Rangers get to give up that goal, you know, fairly, you know, uh, right around middle or so of the third period was frustrating. Really, really would have liked to see the Rangers close this one out. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do so, but I'm happy they at least got the point. Uh, Georgiev had a very sol- solid game for the Rangers, 26 for 28 on saves and when you look at the overall numbers golden knights outshot the rangers 30 to 29 so that one shot you could argue was the difference um 39 to 61 third straight game rangers just have dominated in the face-off dot and i don't know if this is with you know because as we know philipedal in the arizona game was a healthy scratch that we really didn't even talk about too much but he was healthy scratching that he hasn't been great on face-offs in this game though against vegas too same thing, face-offs favoring the Rangers somehow, and they lose two of these three games, and we're a couple minutes away from losing the one in Arizona too, which is just nuts. Uh, but Rangers were one for two again on the power play. Golden Knights 0 for 1. 
hits dominated by the Rangers 23 to 12 blocks dominated by the Rangers 17, eight giveaways won by Vegas three to eight. So again, a win really, really wanted to see the Rangers get here. Uh, definitely had a game where that second period was just absolutely blew my socks off. Was happy to see what they were doing, but could not get enough going to give up that goal in the third. And unfortunately yeah. to lose that in the shootout, which is just so frustrating as it is. Um, I will say, however, if there was a positive from that overtime prior shootout, it was Capo Caco really stood out to me. Had himself a very strong overtime. Unfortunately, they weren't able to get a goal, but yeah, positives to take from this game for sure. Happy. They got a point, but overall frustrating that they were not able to get a victory. And again, it continues this narrative of the Rangers and how they perform against teams that are in the same similar spots in them, even lower. Cause again, statistically the Rangers are one of the better teams in the league right now. So we'll see what they do post holiday, but Definitely had their highs and lows like no tomorrow over this three-game stretch. Yeah, and uh, look, making it to a shootout against the Vegas Golden Knights, I think is a huge positive for this team because I, I've I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. The Rangers are doing really well against lottery teams. They were 14-1-1, one, and one, but against teams in a playoff spot, they were 3-7-1. And, and I think now they're 3-7-2. and two. Um, So... The Rangers really needed to get something out of a game against against a playoff team. And that's the reason it matters is because aside from the Red Wings game, which is scheduled for Monday, we then play the Florida Panthers, the Tampa Bay Lightning twice, the Oilers, and then the Vegas Golden Knights again. So we have five games in a row against contenders. Um, the Rangers need to come out of those five games with at least seven points, in my opinion, for me to consider them real, uh, a real playoff threat this season. Um, but looking at the Vegas Golden Knights game, yeah, Brett Howden. I mean, the guy couldn't score a game at the Garden for 20, in 23, couldn't score a goal at the Garden in 23 games last season. Mm-hmm. And then it takes him seven minutes. Uh, Coughlin with a goal. Somewhere David a- Quinn was smiling. Oh, dude. Like I said, former Rangers and rookies, man. Former Rangers and rookies. Coughlin is not a rookie, by the way. I, I just looked it up. Uh, he played 29. Did he play a handful last year? He played 29 games last season. Okay. So, but he's still relatively new. It was only his 51st game in his career or 50th game in his career. Okay. Um, so technically you can consider him a rookie because it was within his first 82 games. So, yeah, I mean, Rangers giving that up. Losing the shootout, I, I I will never be upset about losing in a shootout because it's like it's like flipping a coin. Um, but yeah, Marcheso of course, Marcheso putting the dagger uh, in the uh, in the Rangers in the shootout. Um, funny enough, during the broadcast, Sam Rosen was talking about Jonathan Marcheso uh, and how he worked his way up through the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he didn't mention his time with the AHL team Wolfpack. I know it's it I I would have I would have expected them to at least mention the fact that he played for the Connecticut Will. I don't on, think on that they knew. Run. Maybe. Man, look, it's it's not Sam Rosen's job to know. Like Sam Rosen and Joe Micheletti are fed certain information, you know. They get they Yeah, get yeah they get the stuff handed. They, they get a cheat with notes that they can use during the game. But Jonathan Marcheseau was a big story about eight, nine years ago when he was with the uh, Connecticut Will. Yep. It was the Hartford Wolfpack, and they rebranded to the Connecticut Will for about one season. 
and it turned into this huge flop. So they went back to the Hartford Wolfpack. But he played one season in Hartford, and um, the Rangers tried to sign him. They offered him an entry-level contract, and he turned it down because he didn't see an opportunity on the Rangers at the time. And this was, I think, 2013, where the Rangers' fourth line was Brian Boyle, Dominic Moore, and Derek Dorsett. So I don't blame the kid at the time for, for you know, turn, turning us down. Uh, and then he went to the Columbus Blue Jackets, I think, and then Tampa Bay Lightning, Florida Panthers, and now Vegas Golden Knights. He worked his way up. So uh, good, good for him. It's just unfortunate to see him score the winner in the shootout. Uh, I always like Marcia so, though. Uh, good for yeah, him. Yeah, me too. But yeah, the Rangers getting a point out of a game against against, against a contender, that's great. Um, and it actually gets the Rangers to uh, set up, uh, 700. So they are, they are pretty much on track to make the playoffs this season, which is great. Um, and... I, I was comparing them a couple uh, earlier in the year, compared them to the Pittsburgh Penguins, Chicago Blackhawks, Boston Bruins, and LA Kings, because those are the four most successful rebuilds in the salary cap era. You know, all the all four teams won at least one cup. Um, Correct. The Kings won two. The Penguins, the Penguins, and the Blackhawks won three each. Um, but when you look at when you look at how long it took for those teams to get there. Um, I think as Ranger fans, we should be really happy with where we are now. And I know the five-on-five play leaves something to be desired, but the results are there. Uh, and looking at the rebuild year, which I, I consider the, the start of the rebuild for these teams, the moment they had their first top five pick. So for yeah. the Penguins, 2002, when they had Ryan Whitney fifth overall. Chicago Blackhawks, 2004, when they got Ken Barker Third overall, and they drafted Marchand when they um, uh, when they signed Zdeno Chara. They drafted Phil Kessel, fifth overall, and then of course the LA Kings in 2007 with uh, Thomas Hickey, and then 2008 with Drew Doughty, fourth and second overall. Comparing that to where the Rangers are right now with their rebuild, their first high pick in 2019 with Capo Caco, their R plus one season, um, the Rangers had 0.564 per game. Uh, so, they, so we're 0.564, which is higher than all other other teams. The Blackhawks aren't included because that was the lockout season. R plus two, 0.536. But now R plus three, and just to compare, 0.700 for the Rangers, 0.707 for the Bruins, uh, 0.616 for the Kings, um, 0.433 for the Blackhawks, and 0.354 for the Penguins. So the Rangers are on track, and this is why I always said the Rangers will be contenders in 2024. That's when their window opens, because all these teams, from their first high pick, their first top five pick, to winning a cup, it took them five full full years. So if you take 2019 as the starting point for the Rangers, 2024 is the year we should really be competing. So let's hope we can get there, but it's looking good so far. We have Panarin, who's still relatively young. We have a winner, not not a candidate or a finalist. Now we have a Norse Trophy winner on defense. Capo Caco is slowly getting better. Chris Kreider is is playing the best hockey in his career so far. So I don't know if this is the coaching change or or something else, but you know it's it's nice to see. And then we have all these young kids coming up: Zach Jones, Braden Schneider, Brennan Othman, Will Cooley, Brett Berard. You know some of these kids will play in the World Juniors. Um, and uh, some kids 
unfortunately missed, but like Brennan Hoffman, he will play next year. But the future looks bright. And, and as long as Drury can build on this without giving up too many assets, I think the Rangers are in a really good spot. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And before we say anything further, I just want to let you know you have been lagging throughout the entire episode today. Oh. I don't know All if right. there's been something wrong with your Wi-Fi. If you may, if you want to try to fix it mid-time here, and you can, but if you feel that you can't troubleshoot without it causing like a big disruption, that's okay. I'm just letting you know so that way, uh, you know, for next mm-hmm. time at least, it's not a big deal. It just it just pauses every every couple seconds. It's hard to explain, but I know that people, if they're watching this um, on YouTube, especially, they get what I'm saying, but. So piggyback off of what you were discussing, and we've talked about this plenty regarding the rebuild. No, you're right. And it's important to look at where the Rangers stand right now. And really a lot of people, including myself, you know, they played above expectations in certain ways this year. Yes, they've had expectations to win and be a playoff team under Gallant, but especially with that seven-game winning streak and everything, you know, they have definitely put a smile on my face a lot. And the only gripe that I've had this entire time is simply just wanting more abilities for the Alexi Lafreniere's and Kako, not really so much. Kako has been getting a good balance, but like a little bit more in special teams, but we've been seeing that more recently. Um, but all I care about is obviously our top young guys that they're just given every opportunity known to man to succeed. And I think we're going to continue to see that. And I also think that of course, this doesn't just go with um, their limitization, but also with their performance too. I mean, it goes both ways at the end of the day, as I said before. You know, as much as I want Laffy to be playing 20 plus minutes a night, he has to earn it too. I'm aware of that. And as long as what the Rangers are doing now is not a detriment to their development and having success and growing, especially to be a part of this core, assuming that it's around, say, tw- uh, 2024, like you mentioned, then by all means, sign me up. I mean, what really separates the Rangers from those other teams that you discussed too? certain ways with the rebuild is the pieces that they already have outside of those top picks. Like if we put those top picks aside to have a Vesna caliber goaltender from the get-go to have a Norris trophy winning defenseman from the get-go to have a heart caliber winner winner from the get-go to have a dynamic goal scoring centerman veteran and Mika to have Kreider's presence. The Rangers really have all those pieces to really stick out. And that's why I've always been excited from the rebuild from the start, because it really felt more like a retool. If that makes sense. It hasn't mm-hmm. felt like a full fledged rebuild. If it did, yeah. then it would be like the Detroit Red Wings, the other, you know, teams that are just completely scratching things from the start and building their way up. Rangers have had that good balance and it's been great to see what they've done so far this season. They have plenty more to do, plenty more growing to do, but yes, I agree with you on the notion that the direction that they're on is up and up. And by 2023, 2024 is where I fully expect this team to really unravel and show exactly what us fans have been hoping to see since the rebuild initially started back in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the best comparison for the Rangers is probably the Boston Bruins. They went through a yeah. rebuild in 2006. Uh, they drafted Marshawn. They drafted Lucic. They signed Chara. Uh, they drafted Phil Kessel, who they then traded for a second, second overall pick. Well, they traded him for a first rounder that turned into a second overall pick because the Maple Leafs were terrible. Um, but the Rangers are in a similar situation there. You know, the, the Bruins had Tim Thomas. We have Igor Shashchurkin. Um Love Tim Thomas. Really, he was a really interesting story. Yeah. 
I know it's, it's almost impossible to get like a one-for-one -one comparison that's like a carbon copy, but the Bruins and the Rangers, they, they used a very similar blueprint. And it's not a coincidence that Jeff Gordon was involved in, in both teams. So um, ultimately, it, you, still, you still need luck to get to the end, you know, to get that, that final, take that final step to winning a cup. But if the Rangers can make the playoffs this season, gain some experience and then next season win a round or two, then I think in 2024, they can go all in. And that's when you start trading your first round picks and prospects at the deadline. I don't think the Rangers are there yet. I know there's conversations uh, online about Phil Kessel and about Patrick Kane and Thomas Hurdle. I don't think the Rangers are there yet where you are acquiring rentals. I don't think they're there yet, but we'll see. I don't really. I don't think that they should acquire. No. Is it wrong for me to say that I, I'm not necessarily in love with the idea of them acquiring rentals, especially for a team that isn't in a spot where it makes realistic sense to then resign those rentals to potentially a mid to long term deal? It, I just, I just don't see it, especially when those rentals are winners. You know, when I want to get see the Lafreniere's of the world, the Kakos continue to be given opportunity. Vitaly Krasov, what's he, his future going to be? You know, we felt at first that, okay, there was no shot in hell that he would ever be part of the Rangers organization again. Now everything has died down a bit. As we know, he will be in the KHL until that season's done. He could find himself back with the Rangers down the stretch this season. So there's a lot of uncertainty still with how the young crop of this Rangers offense is going to build. But more importantly, you don't want to put anything really in the way of this young crop for where the mm. Rangers are at now. If they were yeah. a team like, say, let's take, for example, Henrik Lundqvist, you know, in his prime um, Rangers, you know, decor in their prime, like things of that nature, like looking back in the day, like 2015, 2014, 2015, if it was the Rangers then when they were all in, when they had all, all that it took, you know, that is more justifiable as to why you have lesser roles for your youngsters because they won, haven't just proven themselves yet. But they're also not in a spot where they're better than the people ahead of them. You know, they 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 shouldn't really even be in that spot because the Rangers know that they only have this amount of time to work with this core until either they separate via free agency, trade, or even you know just go down from the peak in their career that they are. So it's a different scenario now. But I, I'm with you in the sense of I'm not in favor of rentals. I'm really not. If the Rangers are going to go out and trade, I'd much rather them go out and trade for a guy that can be here long-term that is young in his career. Maybe he's still on his, either his entry level contract or he just started second. Maybe he's on a multi-year deal. Maybe he's on a bridge deal, something, something along those lines. Like that's what I would be in favor of far more than I would be a veteran. How much impact is he going to have for you come playoff time? Yes. I know the culture presence is awful, awfully important in that clubhouse. Um, that, that makes a bigger difference than what people seen in the locker room part of me makes a bigger difference than what people seem to realize. But yeah, again, I, I'm with you on the stance. I'm not in favor of rentals um, unless it's a rental that could be a potential impact of longer yeah. term age-wise. Yeah. And, and, and this isn't the NFL the NFL is, is very much a, a worst to first league where you can finish fourth in your division one year and then you win your division the next and once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen because it's a one-off. You know, it's just one game. If you get lucky, you win. Um, the Giants are a perfect example. You know, the, the, the Giants have two Super Bowls in the last 15 years, but by looking at it, you wouldn't say it. 
you know, but in the NHL, you have an 82 game season. The playoffs are a best of seven series every round. No, it's not like, like, like baseball where you have a wild card. The wild card in baseball is just one game, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. And then after that, it's, it's straight to a best of seven or do you have a best of five? Um, no, it, it goes wild card. Then I'm pretty sure it's five and then seven. Okay. Yeah. But in hockey, in the NHL, first round is a straight best of seven series. Yep. So it's it's not as easy in, in hockey to to have an overhaul where you go straight from one of the worst teams in the league to be a contender. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Colorado Avalanche are a really good example. They had Landis Cog second overall in 2012, McKinnon first overall the following year, uh, Rantanen in 2015, 10th overall. And it still took them five good years to become a contender. Um, and it's also because in hockey, you draft your players at age 18. We're not talking about NFL or, or where you draft players at age 22 and they can jump into the lineup immediately. Most of these players need seasoning. They need to get better. They need to, they need to develop. And whether they do that in college or in Europe or in juniors or in the minor leagues, doesn't matter. But most players need two or three years before they can really make an impact. It's those depth pieces with Colorado too, though, that really has stood out with me with Sackick when just being sneaky with what the market has proven to him. And that's something that I hope the Rangers continue to do. Like Adam Fox is our version, even though that was a different situation because he didn't want to play anywhere else. But the Andre Burakovsky is one of my favorite. I think one of the most underrated players in the league. Get them on, say, I think it was like a third round pick or something like that. Devon Taze, you know, a couple second round picks. Oh, like, listen, nothing. Andre, like, Burakovsky, Andre Burakovsky is one of my favorite players in the league. Yeah, mine too. Um, Even when I he was in Washington, I liked him. I still have nightmares of him in 2015 when the Rangers played the Capitals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy would just show up in the middle of the ice and, and snipe a puck over over Henrik's shoulder like it was mm-hmm. like it was Alex Ovechkin. It was yep. it was scary. He is a guy that really shows up when, when his team needs him most. He was a bargain. If I, I would give up a first round pick for Burkowski and they got him for a third. That's, I'm that's, I'm that's I'm almost crazy. third. I don't even think they gave up a second for him. I, I'd have to fact check myself. I know I know Taze was uh second yeah. round picks. I don't think Burkowski was because that was at a point in his contract too, and how he performed with Washington and what their cap situation was. And Zach yeah. just took full advantage. I'm like, as soon as he gets more of an opportunity, because he was a good example of someone that was limited with Washington. And now he would be given a chance to really thrive in their top mm-hmm. six. And yeah. boy, oh boy. Again, that's just a prime example further of how to build a team that's yeah. going to not just have those top tier players, big contracts, but also having those depth pieces that, very well would be, you know, you know top guys on opposing yeah. clubs. And and a lot of times it takes, it, it just takes a couple of years to find the right player. Yeah. You know, the Rangers for the last four or five years, they have been, I, I hear Ranger fans talk all the time that this team is not physical enough, but it's not like we haven't tried to address it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we claimed Cody McLeod off waivers. We traded for Brandon Lemieux. We signed Kevin Rooney. Uh, we have Ryan Lindgren and Jacob Truba on defense. Um, it's not like we haven't tried. We just haven't found the right player. Yeah. And and as limited as he is offensively, although he's really starting to prove me wrong here, Ryan Reeve is a really yeah. good fit for this team. 
some, some it's it's not just about looking up uh, a grinder signing him and oh our problems are fixed we have a grinder now that's not that's not how it works you need to find a player that not only plays that style of hockey but also fits into your team into your culture that is a good locker room presence that gels well with the rest of your team and brendan lemieux honestly did not really gel well with his team ryan reeves does you can see it's night and day that doesn't mean that ryan reeves is a better player than brendan lemieux in a vacuum it just means that ryan reeves is a better player for this team yeah so they finally found the player that fills the role that they've been trying to fill over the years um and i think ryan reeves and also kevin rooney is a good example they signed him solely for expansion draft purposes and then he plays out of his mind and he plays his way into a protection slot you know who would have expected in january that kevin rooney would be protected for the expansion draft when the sole focus on that signing was to have a second forward that we could expose exactly crazy sometimes you just have to try a couple of players out before you find the right fit benoit pouliot in 2013. Well, I, I, I will always rave about pouliot with Haglin, oh my and uh broussard no, no, no. or am yeah, i getting them confused no 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 so the the third line in that season was pouliot broussard zuccarello zuc yes yes my mistake yeah, uh, yeah, yeah so good that third line that third line was amazing it was the perfect matchup line for the rangers too you know and and, and part of the reason we went all the way to the finals because those guys played well together it, and it sucks that pouliot no i don't blame i don't blame the guy Pouliot went for the big money deal with the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, and he was never the same. And good for him. I think they offered him $4 million a year after that one season. And then he went to Buffalo, and everything just spiraled and down. I think I think, I think, think that contract was bought out, too. I think the yeah, Oilers bought been. it out. And then he signed with Buffalo as a free agent, if I remember correctly. But it's been a couple of years. But you have to find the right fits for, for, for your team. And with Ryan Reeves, they found it. With Kevin Rooney, they found it. Last season, Colin Blackwell was, was a really good addition. And losing a player in the expansion draft that you only signed a season prior, I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty good deal. You know, you're not losing any or any one of your long-term investment players. Now the Rangers just need to 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 hit on two more players. And maybe Sammy Blay is that, that, that next player that we need. You know, maybe Dryden Hunt can take that next step. Or maybe one of the kids that we that don't have on the contract yet will step up in that role. But this team, at the moment, is not one rental away from contending. We might be there next season. But for this season, I just want them to focus on making the playoffs, gaining the experience, getting as far as you can in the playoffs. Everything, the, getting to the playoffs is my expectation. Everything else is gravy. If they make it to the second round, that's, that's gravy. If they make it to game seven of round one, I consider that a win. If you if you can, can take a team to game seven in your first real playoff series in, what, five years? Yeah. Because the qualifying round, you know, against the Carolina Hurricanes, Doesn't I don't really count. consider that a real playoff. It never, playoff it never happened. No. So the last time we were in the playoffs was 2017. We beat the Canadians with that with that beautiful snipe by Tanner Glass, and then we got um, smoked by Ottawa. And that well, we we lost to Ottawa. Ottawa yeah. Senators that season were pretty good, by the way. They were one goal away from making the conference final. I know, or from making the Stanley Cup final. Sorry, yes, they lost yeah. the conference finals to the Penguins. But the Rangers are are finally getting there again, making the playoffs now. That's that's the goal, and hopefully, some of these young kids 
can can contribute in the in the coming years. Yeah, no. Uh, Speaking of those young kids, by the way, um, we have, uh, of course, the World Juniors coming up. Do you want to quickly dive into that? Yeah, I mean, let, let's just talk about prospects update as a whole when it comes to the uh, prospects for the Rangers that'll be taking part in World Juniors because with saying that also, uh, unfortunately, that will be the only ones it looks like um, that'll be taking part because Olympics-wise, the NHL, as officially as we know, backed out because of all the uh, increasing restrictions and everything that's happening. Um, so NHL is not going to be a part of the Olympics. Looks like David Quinn actually might be the head coach of Team USA, which is very interesting as well, because he's obviously not part of an NHL club. But getting on the juniors, yes, yeah, Stephen, uh, let's go over. What prospects for the Rangers are going to be involved here? All right, so Team Canada has two of them, uh, goalie Dylan Garand and uh, winger Will Cooley. Uh, both were draft picks of the Rangers in 2020. Will Cooley with the second round pick that we got for Elias Anderson, of course. Mm-hmm. And Dylan Garand was the fourth round pick. Uh, they both play in juniors. Uh, Garand was with with Team Canada at the World Juniors last season when they lost the final to Team USA. So he will be poised to, uh, to get a goal this time. Uh, for Cooley, it's his first time at the World Juniors. Um, a bit surprised that Brennan Othman, of course, isn't playing, but we've been over that before. Yeah. So we have two players on Team Canada. Um, moving on to Team USA, um, it shouldn't surprise anyone who has been following Ranger prospects over the last year and year or so that Brad Berard is part of the team. Uh, he's um, he's the guy I'm most excited to watch, probably. His jersey right there. Um, Brad Berard was on the team last season, and he, he really impressed. With, he played with Farinacci and was it Bobby Brink? Yeah, I th- yeah, it was Bobby Brink. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, Farinacci Lies, and, and Lies Bobby Brink. Pick. Um, this this year, he is paired with one of his best friends, Matt Berniers, second overall pick for the Seattle Kraken this past kind of a Kind of a good player. He's a good player. Uh, they've known <laughs> each other ever since they were, I think, five years old. They practice together every summer, so there's really? a little bit of chemistry there. I didn't uh, know that. That, they hope, that they can hopefully work on. Um, but yeah, Berard, of course, won the gold last, uh, last year at the World Juniors with Team USA by beating Canada in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rangers, wait, did they beat Canada in the final? I think so, yes? Yeah. Hold on. Or am I thinking of the World Championships now? now oh, me, yeah. Now, me, you got, now you got me. Double check for me. Because uh, now you're getting okay, me, me before, before I make a complete fool of myself. Uh, yes, yes. Sorry. They beat Canada in the final. Yes. So we, we had okay. four prospects in the final last season. We had Dylan Garand and Braden Schneider on Team Canada. <laughs> and then Brett Bride and Hunter Skinner on Team USA. So it was going to be a win regardless for the Rangers. Um, Berard will be trying to go for a second gold medal this season. And then we have uh, two other players for European countries. Kala Weissenen, fourth round pick this year, uh, plays for TPS in Finland and will be on the finished uh, under-20 team. I'm interested to see how he's going to play because he's been an under the radar prospect for the Rangers. Well, he's a bit under the radar, but he's been, he's been playing above expectations in my opinion. Um, He reminds me a bit of Adam Edstrom who I expected like Adam Edstrom. I expected Weissenden to play um, junior hockey mostly this season, but he's been spent, he's been spending significant time with, uh, with the men's team in Liga. So I think that's a really good sign for the Rangers there. A really good kid, uh, a bit lanky, but um, a good one to look out for. And then the last 
last one still have to cut three players. But Jaroslav Kmalars, who plays for Jokerit under 20 in Finland, is currently with the uh, with the national team of, let me get this right, of Czechia, because that's how they want to be called now. They no longer want to be called the Czech Republic. Um, so Czechia... Uh, Wait, they want... Why? Whoa. I don't know. Can, they're, they're, can you summarize that? Their federation sent uh, a letter to the uh, uh, WIHF asking if they can be referred to as Czechia instead of Czech Republic. Because in Czech, I think their name is uh, Chesky. And in most Germanic languages, um, it's, 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 it's a translation of that word Chesky. In Dutch, it's Czechia. In German, it's Czechian. It's only in English where we use the word republic to 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 describe the country. So hmm. uh, anyway, uh, for Czechia, Jaroslav Kmelars, uh, he was a fifth round pick this uh, this past summer. For the Rangers, have an interview with him coming up as well. The last three, Berard, Weissman, and Kmelars interviews coming up. Awesome. Um, but yeah, five players at the World Juniors in total. So hopefully one of those will win the gold. Um I never really have a favorite team to root for in the World Juniors. I just root for So if it's Canada against Russia, I'll probably root for Canada, but only because Will Cooley and Dylan Garand are on that team. Yeah, I mean, I'm naturally going to always be Team USA, but if Team yeah. USA, um, let me put it this way, if they're out, then I'm rooting for whatever team has the most Ranger prospects. Yeah. That's how it works. And if, if Team Canada ends up being Team USA, it'll be a bummer in that sense, but I will be happy for the Rangers prospects. So yeah. it's like it's yeah. like bittersweet type thing. It's not as bad as I know a lot other people would make it out to be. No, but it's it's fun to have uh, more than just a couple of prospects in the World Juniors for a change because we've, we've been going through years where we have maybe <laughs> one or maybe two. To yep. have five across four different countries now uh, makes it really interesting. And, um, and gives you more incentive to check out all these different games too versus focusing on one team. It gives you a reason to check out these other games as well. So World Juniors, they have uh, preliminary games, I think, tomorrow. Uh, and then the tournament itself starts on Sunday. So check awesome. it out. The first game is, I think, Czechia against Canada. So we have three prospects in the first game of the tournament already. On the first day that's gonna be a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it i feel like whenever we're watching juniors it just takes me to like a different place in like hockey fandom because it, you know you get it for such a short portion of the year and then it's gone and i and i'm just i'm just not someone that's going to go out of their way to watch whl chl games european games depending on the matchup khl sometimes but not often but juniors is always something that I appreciate because it kind of lets me get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. Well, juniors is like a roller coaster. Yeah. It's just so much in such a short period. You know, it's like, it's, it's a lot, very similar, of course, to the Olympics, you know, it's like out of nowhere. Yeah. Them all going for the championship. And it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's in a short period of time. So, and, and speaking of the Olympics with the NHL, not going, uh, they're going to have a, a bunch of makeup games in that three week span. So for Ranger fans, it's even better. You get even more hockey now. You get Olympic hockey and NHL hockey in February. So that's, that's a good point. That, that that should actually be a win. That's silver lining there for for hockey fans. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Will Juniors, uh, interesting to uh, to keep an eye on that with uh, with five prospects there. Um, for the rest of the prospect update, um, the most important point I have is the other two guys that are on my door there. Uh, Ryder Korzak uh, was named uh, Player of the Week for the CHL and the WHL. He's been having uh, he's been having a good couple of games. Let me quickly look him up, uh, and then of course Brody Lamb, who plays in the USHL for the Green Bay Gamblers. I think has uh, three goals in his last uh, four games. So he's heating up a little bit there as well. Uh, Brody Lamb has committed to the University of Minnesota Good. for 2023-2024. So he will he will play uh, another year in the USHL most likely and then go to college. Uh, but Ryder Korzak in his last five games, listen to this, three goals, seven assists for 10 points. Oh, baby. Love to see that. And, and before that, he only had one point in five games. So he had a little bit of a slump, but he got out of the slump right before the uh, right before the holiday. No, that that's awesome. I, I um, you and I have both been I pretty high on Cor, uh, Korzak for a bit now since he got drafted. Yeah, I think Ryder Korzak is a very underrated pick for the Rangers. Um, and then um, Brody Lamb uh, in his last five games, three goals, one assist, four points on the season. He has uh, six plus six. So 12 points in 24 games. Um, and Korzak, let me get the numbers here. Um, Ryder Korzak on the season has, uh, in 31 games, 10 goals, 25 assists for 35 points. Um, but the guy that, you know, the, the guy that really stands out for me still is in the OHL. And that's the last prospect I'll touch on. Uh, of course, Brennan Othman. Uh, I've, I've, I always liked Brennan Hoffman as a prospect, but I've become a little bit, a little bit of a Brennan Hoffman fan, especially the last couple of weeks. Oh yeah, for 20, obvious reasons. Twenty goals, seventeen assists for thirty-seven points in twenty-four games. Uh, his last uh, ten games, seven goals, ten assists for seventeen points. Last five games, five goals, four assists for nine. Um, but what's even more impressive? is that he has 37 points. The second highest scorer on his team only has 22. Um, so I did some some digging this morning. Um, the difference in scoring between Othman and the second highest scorer on his team is 15, goal, 15 points, which is the third highest in the OHL in terms of uh, scoring difference. So he's he's really carrying his team. And this is a, this is a Flint Fibers team that doesn't really have a lot of scoring outside of him. There's a defenseman that has 22 points, but after that, the drop-off is huge. Um, so Othman is carrying the Flint Fibers on his back to uh, a potential postseason. That, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, just Othman from the draft pick, a lot of people, including myself, were not not bothered by the pick, but just because we were all hoping for centerman. That was you oh. know universally accepted. So it didn't give him enough justice. You know, I felt like it gave a, a bad – um, not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, a bad first impression kind of thing. When in reality, mm -hmm. it wasn't in direction on his talent. It was just because all Rangers fans were under the belief, Hey, we're going down this route. Oh, now we're not. Okay. So yeah, a lot of people and, and weren't familiar with Offman either. So I was the same way. Um, I wanted Svechkov. Um, yeah. I wanted Svechkov too. <laughs> And other otherwise, I would have wanted Lucius. 
and they were still both on the board when the Rangers were on the clock. And then they go with a winger. So my, my first reaction was, oh, why did we get a winger? But then you think back to a year ago, and the Rangers, with their second pick in the first round, everyone expected them to get a center, and they go with Braden Schneider. And I remember the same reactions to that pick. And now a year later, look at him. Look at Braden Schneider. Yep. You know, Braden Schneider is doing really well on the AHL. Um, I think he's going to be knocking on the door to, to get a, to get a couple of games in, in the NHL at the end of the season. And and next year, training camp's going to be huge for him. Training camp's going to be huge. Um, uh, the thing with Othman, though, and this is the only gripe I have, but it's to no fault of his own. Um, if he was born six days earlier, he would have been AHL eligible next season. He was born on January 5th. And the cutoff for AHL eligibility is December 31st. If you turn 20, by the end of the year, you are eligible to play in the AHL that season. Ooh, so okay. a kid like Ryder Korzak, who uh, was born, let me check, <laughs> I think he was born in October or November. Uh, it was Korzak, Korzak, Korzak. Um, so Ryder Korzak drafted in the same year as Brennan Othman will be eligible to go to the to the AHL next season. He was born in September, September 23rd. So he was one of the oldest players in his draft class. But Brandon Othman misses the cutoff. On the upside, Brandon Othman is eligible for the World Juniors next next year. So I'm looking that. forward to seeing him in that. Yeah. Um but you know uh great um you know Great, great production, production, great progress by Brennan Othman and Will Cooley and Brett Burrard and Ryder Korzak. Really happy with what I'm seeing from those four. Um, Everything that you would want from the more coveted Rangers prospects at this point. Exactly. And and I was I had a conversation with someone earlier this week about Ryder Korzak, and, and he asked me, <coughs> this guy asked me, um, uh, how much? What does this mean for his for his uh, for you know his potential? And, and I always want to be cautious with this. And the way I explain it is Korzak putting up great numbers in juniors is not a guarantee for success in the NHL, but it sure beats the scenario where he doesn't put up those points. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I, I understand what you're saying. So we'll see what happens. Um, uh, Evan Veerling, who uh, plays in the OHL this season, who was a draft pick in 2020, has had a bit of a slow start to the season. Didn't play at all last year because of the OHL season being canceled. That's crazy. And he, he, and he couldn't get a contract elsewhere because the Rangers didn't have an ECHL team. Um, question Questionable if he gets an entry-level contract at the end of the year, but I think Dylan Garand is pretty much a lock for a contract. Um, so, yeah, Garand, cool. Garand is, is probably the guy that, that we don't talk about enough as well as a goalie prospect. Um, only downside is that he plays on a really good team. So his quality of shots that he that he gets might not be a good indication of what he can do. But we'll see what happens in Hartford. Georgiev is, got, is on his way out. Uh, the Rangers will probably sign Kincaid as a backup. And then in the AHL, you would have uh, Huska, Wall, and Garant coming in. One of those three will, will play some games in the ECHL. But it's good to have some goalies in the system again. Yeah, no, it is. And especially uh, with Garan, I'm pretty excited about him. 
Uh, not to expand much further on prospects, because I do want to get us to, to answer a couple questions before we yeah. wrap things up with the upcoming schedule. But, you know, that pick from the beginning really stood out to me. And I know that his juniors team is very good. So naturally, it's like, okay, what's that transition going to be to pro hockey, right? But to see his impact with Team Canada, uh, with juniors already, and to see how well he's done so far this season and to be with juniors again, he really feels like, as you've alluded to before, that might be not necessarily the next big thing goaltending-wise for the Rangers, but someone that, when you look at all their other goaltending options, he might really be that guy to be the next potential part of a tandem or something. I, like when I think of the Lindbloms of the world or Lindblom, however you pronounce his name, uh, from Sweden, um, when you think about the other picks as well, Gron has just felt different to me from the get-go. And I'm, I'm curious if you feel the same way or different yeah. about that. Yeah, and and look, comparing him to goalie prospects over the last 10, 10 or so years, you know, we had Cam Talbot, who was an undrafted free agent. Love uh, Cam. Can't can emphasize that enough. Slam dunk signing. Um, but Brandon Halverson, uh, Mackenzie Skapsky, um, who was the guy that they called the Prince? Chad Johnson. Oh, yes. My remember goodness. Him? He was a journeyman in the league for a bit. I remember him with the Penguins, too. I, th- I think he played for the Sabres. Yeah, he well. did. He did. Um, yeah. And then we've had some weird goalies in, in Hartford. You know, uh, Jason Mission, Jeff Malcolm, um, David Lenovo. J.F. Uh, Barubi. J.F. Barubi. Um, so getting some good goalies out of our draft picks now is great to see and i like that the rangers are using fourth round picks on these kids you yeah know, i'm i'm i don't want to use a second round pick on a goalie exactly we got talon boyko and dylan garand in the fourth round we got hugo olas from sweden in the seventh round <coughs> that's where you draft your goalies anyway let's see if we have some yeah questions. let's get to some questions that that was a great in-depth discussion on the prospects i'm excited for world juniors got me even more hyped up I'm sure a lot of uh, people listening live or on replay, wherever you get your podcast, feel the same. So if, we, if you guys have any questions, if you're watching throughout the live stream, uh, feel free to ask away. We'll be taking a couple. I know that we don't have necessarily too much watching live at this point, so I'm not sure how many questions we would get, if any. But if we do, we'll take some now, and then we'll wrap up this episode, of course, by looking at the upcoming schedule post-Christmas for the Rangers. I um, hope everyone has a very happy holiday, of course, but – We'll get into all of that and an idea as to how the Rangers will do during that span, along with when we will potentially be recording again. Um, but we do have a uh, question here from Michael says, what do I got? What do we think of the Rangers made a trade for Oliver Bjorkstrand of blue? Yes. <laughs> First of all, yes. Um, we wouldn't have to give up as much and that would be a good fit. I, I don't necessarily think that. I think that the Rangers would have to give up a decent haul for Bjorkstrand. He's actually one of the most, underrated goal uh goal scorers in the league and i think obviously the biggest thing that's been holding him back is his injuries um staying consistent in the lineup for columbus but especially with the team that you know he's dealt with a lot uh changes line mate wise and under tortorella for a while which was always defensively minded first bjorkstrand has always been a very sneaky goal scorer i think that's actually a perfect type of pickup as an, an option in your top six top nine scoring one that's someone i'm far more in favor of um and i would be curious to see if the rangers could make something like that happen again columbus is such a weird team i don't know how to read them because they're not in a rebuild they're really not in a retool they're just kind of just riding with what they have at the moment so 
Steven, what's your take on Oliver Bjorkstrand? Um, yeah, I, I think he's the type of player that this team could use. Um, wouldn't want to give too, give up too much for him. Uh, let's see, what's his contract situation? Um, he's only 26. 5.4 he has 23 points. He has 23 points in 28 games. And, you know, last year in 56 games, he had 44 points, 18 goals. He's yeah. had roughly 20 goals uh, for three straight seasons now. And he already has nine and just under 30 this year. Look, I think Bjorkstrand is the, the type of player this team can use to add some um, some consistent performances <laughs> to our top six. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely an upgrade over over Dryden Hunt. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know how it'll fit under the cap with with a with a cap hit over five million though. That's true. That's a good point. Um, but that's my only concern. I um, mean, if you can if you can so get rid of that Nemeth contract, if you can, you know, the the big. I'm trying to think of just how the contracts are on the team right now. Well, it really Nemeth, feel- Nemeth and Goudreau are the obvious uh, casualties if they need to clear some cap before the no-move clauses expire on Truban Kreider. And I don't and see Goudreau Tru- going anywhere anytime soon. With the way Truban Kreider are playing, I don't think they're going to be traded even when their no-move clause expires. If if they continue yeah. this path, I, I, I agree. But that the that's only, the key. What would actually be a great solution for the Rangers is with the current situation financially for the league, right? Games being postponed, potentially a shortened season if this if this if this pandemic is affecting it even even more. Teams are going to struggle to uh, to balance the books financially. There's no way the NHL is going to let a team go bankrupt. I think, and I'm not a fan of a luxury tax. But if there was ever a moment in time for the NHL to switch to a luxury tax system, this is it. Your rich teams, you know, your Rangers, Blackhawks, Bruins, Maple Leafs, um, Canadians, LA Kings. We all know Batman won't even consider it. No, the teams with a lot of money, I think, can really save this league financially. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just saying if there was ever a moment in time to switch to a luxury tax this is it and it would be a perfect solution perfect solution for the rangers a less drastic solution would be to give teams compliance buyouts Mm -hmm. to get to get out from under really bad contracts that are currently on the books um but for the rangers i don't see them parting ways with either Kreider or truba so unless the salary cap goes up significantly they're gonna have to make some some moves and some of those decisions will be tough Nemeth is 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 not, Nemeth is not going to be here twelve months from now. I guarantee you that. Yeah, I agree with that one too. Despite the way he's playing, I'm not sure Lindgren's <laughs> going to be here long term either. Oof, that's that's a. Can't even say. I don't know if that's really a hot take. Just because, not something I think Rangers have, fans are ready to absorb yet. You have to you have to extend Kako. You have to extend Lafreniere soon. Next season, you're gonna have Zibanejad and and Fox on the books for nine point five million. Um, is Zibanejad also nine point five? Uh, I think he's at least nine. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So 
those two players will make nine, nine plus, nine, nine million or more. Add that to Panarin at 11.6, Truba at eight. Um, it's it's going to be tough to to balance the books. And and if the salary cap's not going up, Strom's going to have to take a discount to stay in New York. Um, another player that could be a casualty is Philip Heedle. Yeah. No, he Heedle's, um, Heedle's definitely one where I'm – I, I don't know what his future holds right the now. The thing is, the thing is, Philip Heedle's replacement is already. Oh, it's a bad jet is 8.5. We I was half a mil off. Okay. 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 So okay, so it's nine million average. So 18 million for those two combined. Um Philip Heedle's replacement's already in Hartford. It's Morgan Barron. Patrick Nemeth's replacement is already in Hartford. It's Zach Jones. Um you're going to need to have players on entry-level contracts contributing for this team to to get through the next couple of years with with the salary cap. So we'll see what happens. I don't think Bjorkstrand is going to be a viable option, not because he's not good enough, but because the Rangers don't have the cap space for it. Yeah, and I think that's something we're going to see more and more of in the coming years for the Rangers with really yeah. wanting a player, but knowing that it's going to be there, you'd have to be very creative with how you go about your cap situation. So yeah. I agree with you on that one, but we got a couple more questions. I'd like to get to quick before we wrap things yeah. up a uh, big $20 donation from our great friend and Brody. Thank you so much for the donation really means a lot. My friend, hope you have a very Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas Brody. holiday as well. Happy new year to you too. Really appreciate your continued support again, wishing the best for you and your family. Thank you so much for that. Um, Let's see, are Capo uh, and Lafreniere on track in their development? Uh, simply put, it goes on. It goes based on how do you view what their development is right now. I think a lot. I think Lafreniere, especially because he was in a shortened season last year, he's been underwhelming. But by no means do I think that he's a flat out bust or anything like that right now. I think his utilization has been key, and I really think that the factors of being playing in a pandemic and the shortened season, everything. You know, it's easy to look at saying, oh, he's, it, you will almost feel like he's played two full seasons already, but he hasn't even played one full season yet. So, or, or right around there, I should say. So he still has his development to do. I'm, I'm okay with him. I'd like to see more from him, but I think that'll come as he gets older one more time. By no means am I really concerned with him right now. We were just obviously hoping for more of an immediate impact. Kako is doing what I, I would have hoped Kako would do. Had a slow start his first year. Really developing fine. I'm really liking Kako's game. It's still not as consistent as maybe we would love, but let's remember this is a 20-year-old, and he's going to continue to thrive and get better. So in a nutshell, I don't really think there's anything to be concerned about right now. Just hope that obviously more opportunities be, become apparent for the two winners respectively. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Kako is on the right track. Um, he just needs to find some consistency with line mates. Mm-hmm. Um when he find look, he started the season with a with an injury that that, that wasn't ideal. Uh, but Kako was one of the best players in our in, in, during preseason. Yep. Um, he was he was our standout forward. Um, he had an injury early on, and then when he finally got into his groove, he had eight points in seven games. He gets moved up a line because of the Sammy Blay injury. Now. After a couple of games with Kreider and Zabanajad, he's he's getting he's getting his goals in. You know, he's contributing on the power play. Um, he had an assist, I think, against the Flyers in in um, in in was it was that already December when they played the Flyers? I think it was December first, yeah. 
uh, on the Truba goal. Um, yeah. So the, the power play production is there. With Lafreniere, the, the big issue is he's not getting minutes on the power play. Yeah. Um, now with Panarin out, he got some minutes on the second unit, but when when Panarin's healthy, that first power play unit has four forwards on it. It's Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, and Strom. That second unit has three forwards on it. And right now it's Heel, Kako, and I think Dryden Hunt. I don't understand why Dryden Hunt's on the power play over Alexi Lafreniere. There's always there's always that one guy every that, year. There there's always Dryden that Hunt, one player that we're left wondering why is he ahead of our coveted young star? You know, it, it's Hunt, it's a broken record. Nothing against, nothing against Dryden Hunt, you know. It's no, nothing nice at all. Game. You just shouldn't nice be there. Everything. Dryden Hunt is this year's Colin Blackwell. Yes. And and good for Dryden Hunt that he got some goals in. Great. He scored the game winner against the Flyers in that game where, unfortunately, he also got a game misconduct. But, um, you know, he's had some good games, but he's not consistently producing to, to be, first of all, in the top six, and second of all, in the second power play unit. So if Lafreniere can, can, can get some more consistent ice time, both at even strength and on the power play, I think we'll see his production go up. And he'll get more comfortable then. Uh, yep. I'm not worried yet that uh, Kako and Lafreniere are only 20 years old. For reference, um, when Matt Zuccarello came over, he was <coughs> not an NHL regular until he was 23. Sorry, he didn't come over until 23. He wasn't an NHL regular until he was 26. Oh, wow. That's a good point. Zuccarello was born in 87, and he wasn't an NHL regular until the 2013-14 season. Yep. So these kids have have a huge head start compared to a guy who led this team in points for, I think, three seasons. Granted, it was only 59 or 61 points, but still. It's, it's easy um, to overlook that when the circumstances are different. When you get yeah. a Matt Zuccarello coming from Norway and he stands out in the Olympics, right? And you just notice something in him. It's different when you have an Artemi yeah. Panarin who, you know, when he came into the league undrafted for agent and flourished in the KHL. So with expectations different from the get-go, that's always going to make perceptions different. But let's not forget exactly how young these yeah. players are, what their contributions yeah. are already at the NHL level. And knowing that this is the starting point, right? This isn't their peak. It's not yeah. even remotely close to what no. their and, process and should be once they are at their all-time primes in their career. I don't expect them to be Connor McDavid or no. Jack Eichel. Uh, the comparisons for me and for a lot of people online as well have been Jonathan Huberdeau and uh, Sasha Barkov. Yeah, we've always said that. And those guys also needed a couple of years to get into it. Those guys were second, <laughs> and was Bark Barkov was second overall pick. Huberdo, I think, was a third overall pick. Um, if we can get that production out of these two players, I think we're good. Because those guys put up some 80 and 90 point seasons. If we can get that, I'm happy. Yep. I, I'm not like I said, I'm not expecting them to be McDavid. I just want them to be better than Neil Yakupov and Nolan Patrick. That's all I'm asking for. And everything and, that they've done to this point is an indication that that'll be true. Yeah. Of course, it is frustrating when you see players from their draft classes outproducing them. I know. I know Lucas Raymond. 
I understand. <laughs> and Trevor Zegras, and yes. you know, but and the Rangers want them, Trevor Zegras if they if they were in that position. Keep that in mind. Yeah, but Trevor Zegras, if they look, look. Last thing I'll say about this: if the Rangers draft Trevor Zegras instead of Capo Caco, Trevor Zegras is not is not putting up the points he's putting up now for the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, because he's not playing ahead of Zibanejad, Strom, and Hedl. Correct. Yes. So he's either on the wing or he's in Hartford. Yep. No, I, I agree. I, I, I um, 100% agree. Eventually, Zegras is doing great, but he's taking full advantage of the opportunities given to him. Yeah. If you put Kako in Carolina, he probably has 60 points already in a full season. I, I don't know. I don't know. In a full season, okay. Okay. Look, look, look. I mean, Look at Svechnikov. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, Andre Svechnikov in his first season had, yeah, in his first season, um, 20 goals, <laughs> 17 assists. Second season, 24 37 for 61 points. Yep. Uh, um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, I saw some questions about Libra Hayek. Yeah, we we have one more question we're going to answer, but Antoine also said, happy holidays and thanks for a great stream. Well, thank you so much for chiming in, Antoine. I appreciate that. What do we think about the overall plan with Hayek going forward? That's actually perfect for the donation here from Raphael asking about Hayek too. Thank you so much for the $5 donation. Really appreciate that. Hope you have a happy holiday as well. Um, what do we think of Hayek's play? Is it terrible? What do we think it would take to call up Zach Jones? Well, I really don't think there's much to say on the Hayek front. Um, Hayek at this point in his career with the Rangers is really an extra defenseman. He's not in a position where he will be playing every day. Even if we do like his flashes at times, maybe over a Nemeth or a Tenorti. Regardless, when you look at the current construction of this defense, you know, mm-hmm. Hayek is on the outside looking in. And um, in regards to when do uh, when do we think what will take to call Zach Jones, I An think injury. it'll just be more inconsistencies with the Nemes, with the Tenorties, with the high, especially if there's injuries, and you know, not God forbid, not that I wish it on anyone, but you know, people inevitably get sick, whatever it may be. So when those opportunities arise, however they may arise, that's where I think we could see Jones get a crack of things at some point in the second half of the season. Yeah, look, it's going to take an injury for Jones to get to get decent <laughs> minutes in New York because he's not playing ahead of uh, Lindgren and Miller. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to call him up to play on, on, the, uh, on the third pair for, for a handful of minutes. Um, I think if they need a player for a game or two on the third pair, they're going to use either Tenorti or Hayek. Um, so we'll see what happens. Jones and Schneider are going to play 20 minutes a game in Hartford until they can get decent game time in New York. Um, and yeah, regarding Hayek, I think Hayek is playing better than Patrick Nemeth, but that's a low bar. So, um, I think, uh, look, don't, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to imagine that there's a defenseman that played for the Rangers this year that was worse than Patrick Nemeth, but it's Jared Tenorti. Mm-hmm. Um, but Patrick Nemeth has not been good. Um, I, I know he's big and I know they rely on him to protect the lead in the final two minutes, but that's not an indication. Ellen Vigneault trusted Nick Holden and Mark Stahl to defend the lead in the playoffs. So 
don't 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 even use that as a reason. You know, Patrick Nemeth has been underwhelming at best. Uh, Libor Hayek has been has been a pleasant surprise so far. I did not expect anything out of him, and he's played a decent game and played a couple of poor games. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, looking at the other question here by Jordan, what defensive prospect has the most potential to blossom into a star? Most potential is Keandre Miller. That's no question. Most likely to reach his potential, in my opinion, is Zach Jones, though. I agree. Um, Miller has a higher ceiling. Jones has a higher probability of hitting his ceiling, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, think I think that's fair. This is, this is why it's also nice to for the Rangers to see a smooth transition in terms of prospects. We've been talking about defensive prospects for years. Lundqvist and Jones and Robertson and Schneider and Skinner and Rayunen and now they're all on the team. And what have, what, what have we been saying for the last two years? We need some decent forward prospects. And look what we're talking about this season. The forward prospects are blossoming. Berard, Korzak, Hoffman, Cooley, um, Weissenen in, in Finland. Yeah, um, it's, it's good to see the Rangers making that smooth transition in terms of what's important for the team. Defensively, I think they're solid. They have some players in the pipeline. They're even in a position where they can trade one. You know, if you want to trade Matthew Robertson, who would be a top three prospect on most teams in the league, but is closer to a top 10 prospect on the Rangers, you can get really good value for, for a kid like him. So if, if we're looking for a young center prospect who is NHL ready, uh, you know, Robertson is a prime candidate for a trade. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I like the way the Rangers have constructed a prospect pool. I think Schneider and Jones are here for uh, are here long term. Same with Lundqvist. There's a reason they were not on the table for the Jack Eichel trade when those conversations were happening. So those players are here to stay. Um, how that's going to fit long term, we'll see. But um, yeah, it's a good problem to have, as we've always said. It's it's a good problem to have. It's 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 so weird though that right-handed defensemen are a rare commodity in the NHL. Yeah, no, that's a, and, that's that's a great point too. I feel like and, I'm seeing more and more lefties. And the Rangers, they have Fox and Truba and Lundqvist and Schneider, and then behind that still Hunter Skinner. <clears throat> yep. So uh, yeah, looking good for the Rangers. They just need to make the right moves. Um, and yeah, if you're going to make a trade, please don't, please don't blow it up. Please don't, please don't trade three prospects for a 33-year-old winger that's only going to be here for a year and a half. No, I I agree with you too. I, I mean, I've, that's we don't neither of us want that. I've I've seen people talk about Patrick Kane. Yeah, Patrick Kane would be great to have on the Rangers. I just I just don't like what the package would be to acquire him yeah you no know? we no there's so many reasons why patrick kane is never going to be and a new york ranger <laughs> start really with cap hit. if patrick kane really wants to play for the rangers he can sign with us in 2023 he can be our marion hosa that's true because he said in an interview that the the um, the most fun he had playing hockey was when he was playing with panarin yeah i mean if that, if that if that's what it'll take, get them on a little bar. I mean, ra Rangers drawing players 
I mean, that's something that they're quite accustomed to. Wouldn't surprise me. And um, what? He was born in 88. So in 2023, he'd be what? 30, uh, 35. Yeah. So he probably wouldn't be too expensive. Uh, Definitely not 10.5 million. So, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, let's uh, let's look at the schedule, upcoming schedule. We have five games. Yeah, I, as of now, let's let's play this as if we don't talk again until after the Edmonton game, um, yeah. just because that might be the safer bet. So, yeah, five games coming up for the Rangers, all int- all fun ones for different reasons, actually, and all games that the Rangers could very well lose and all games that the Rangers can also win. If you look at first game against Detroit, really excited for that one. The rookies, Maurice Sider, and, of course, Lucas Raymond lean the way, and they're getting a good balance from their other young players. One huge advantage for the Rangers, though, is that Jimmy Howard's no longer in net for them. Oh, absolutely. That might be the re- reason why they actually won this one um, in MSG, too. That's a great point. Uh, so they have that game on the 27th uh, next Monday. Yeah. Then they have uh, the Florida Panthers on the 29th. It's going to be a tough matchup. Florida's been having a good season. Same thing staying in Florida, of course, against Tampa Bay Lightning on the 31st. Those games are always tough against the Bolts. Then Again, against the Bolts, uh, that following um, just two days later, uh, on the 2nd of uh, January, 2022, on that Sunday, and then it's a back-to-back against not just Tampa Bay, but then that Monday against the Edmonton Oilers, who um, did, if I'm not mistaken, didn't, uh, Rangers had a, didn't they have a, yeah, they had a massive lead against Edmonton last time they played, and then they blew it completely in Edmonton earlier this year. So really, really tough yeah, schedule. Don't remind me, please. I know. I'm sorry. Um, but five games, all games that they should absolutely do their best to win, all games that they very well could find themselves losing because these are all talented clubs, of course. But out of these five games, I think the Rangers are going to go. Uh... Let's see. I think out of these five games, the Rangers are going to go two, one, and two. Two, one, and two. All right. Writing it down. Not that I I wish it. Not that I wish it. I'm just trying to be far more balanced than what I was last time around. I think the Rangers are going to come out of this break uh, with a renewed mentality. Panarin's back. Shostjorkin's back. I think they're going to go three, one, and one. Okay. I, I hope so. I hope I hope you win. But let's let's get on to the goals. Uh, you you first, considering you're the champ. Uh, yeah. So over a five game span, how many total goals do you think the Rangers five are going to score? Games, five games. Um. So three got hours. I'm going to go with um, oof. it's a tough one uh, that is that is a tough one Shit. Um, let me think um, you know what I'm going to go with 15 okay all right I- I'm going to go with 17 that was mine so 17. All yeah. right. 
Yeah, um, three goals per game seems like a good average to bet on. Yeah, I'm just I'm just under three and a half. So yeah. I'm assuming that they're gonna have a couple games in there where they're gonna ball out. So we'll see. Yeah. But on, I'm, on the season, on the season, the Rangers have 86 and 30 games, so they're just below three a game. Yeah, so yeah, no, we'll yeah, we'll we'll see. Again, who yeah. knows if they're gonna be renewed uh, and you know rejuvenize the way you say they will maybe that's going to benefit me in this column um but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see uh i'm i'm excited this is a big stretch for the rangers hopefully you know they all you know rest up with everyone because i you know just everything that's going on in the world right now enjoying their holiday break that they come back ready to go and you know it doesn't hurt for a team to have a little break like this you know at the halfway point prior to the all-star break and stuff like that so I think that there's a chance that this could actually benefit the club quite a bit, but yeah, Steven, I think we hit the nail on the head with everything. Are there any final remarks you want to give? Episode 42, right? Episode 42. All right. Let me think off the top of my head. All I got is Artem Anisimov. And I think I said Artemi Anisimov. I don't know why I said that earlier. You said Artemi Anisimov. Yeah, it's okay. Potato, potato. Um, What's another 42 I'm thinking of? Uh, well, uh, the guy that that left the Rangers this summer played with forty two over the last. Oh, four Brennan years. Smith. Okay. There you go. Yep. Um, and then another defenseman of recent years. No. Uh, no. 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 He's he, he's he's a name that Ranger fans uh, do not have fond memories of in terms of drafting. Was it a nineties draft pick? No. Oh, if it's before that, then you you you've lost. No, 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 no. It's more recent. More recent. Oh, it's more recent. Um, wait. Did did this player's career think about a really bad draft pick for the Rangers? Like salary cap era, bad draft pick. A defenseman forty-two. Yep. I didn't Shit. say defenseman, but yes, this guy's also a defenseman. Oh, oh, um, I always say his name wrong. McElrath, McElrath, yeah. I mean, yeah, when he, when you when you had, you know, the uh oh my goodness, why am I blanking on names? Cam, uh defenseman for Cam Power, multiple Vladimir, guys. Vladimir, Ter- Vladimir Tarasenko, Jaden Schwartz, Evgeny Kuznetsov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yep. it was a draft full of future stars, and the Rangers get a headache. Um, anyway, players to wear number 42 as a Ranger, um, Brendan Smith, Dylan McElrath, Brendan Siegel in 2013, Artem Anisimov, uh, John Tripp in 2003, Dave Marcinician, that's a terrible name to, to, to pronounce, in 1993, and the first Ranger to ever wear number 42, <laughs> Was 1986 87 Paul Fenton? Okay, interesting. And still my favorite. Oh yeah, no, no. Out of these players, Anisimov has a has a soft spot in in my Ranger fandom. Um, funny Anisimov story. Um, you know, I lived in South Africa for a couple of years, right? Correct. Um, so I moved back to Europe in 2010, and. I didn't really watch the Rangers for a couple of years when I was living in South Africa. You know, it's a different world out there. You know, yeah, it's like any, it's like I have cars and everything, like normal cities, whatever. But um, I didn't have internet at home in South Africa when I was living there between 2006 and 2010. So 
that was a big adjustment for me. And I wasn't able to watch the Rangers in the middle of the night because there's no internet. So I come back to the Netherlands um, after four years. And the first game I watch is December 2010, the Rangers at the Penguins. And the goal that I will always remember was Artem Anisimov getting the puck in his own zone, skating through four opponents, and then roofing it over Brent Johnson in net. Um, that goal will always stick with me. Um, so, yeah, all, good memories of Artem Anisimov. Very, he was, very good memory. He's, he's part of my, uh, of my renewed love interest with the Rangers. When yeah, I, when he, I he was – he, I've said this before, but, you know, he was – the start of my Rangers fandom. So I'm always going to appreciate, you know, being able to witness him as yeah. really when I started getting into the game of hockey. So, you know, shout out to um, Anisimov uh, with all he's done. And the career. other game I'll always remember of Anisimov was in 2011 against the Flyers. Um, this was actually highlighted in the 24-7 uh, Road to the Winter Classic Series as well. Um, okay. Of course, there was the game against Tampa where he had the AK-47 uh, Selly. Yes. Uh, but there was a game against the Flyers where the Rangers were on the power play. Um, Anisimov gets hooked. Uh, he skates towards uh, towards the, the Flyers' net. He gets hooked, so he's on a delayed call. Jager's in the box. And then he scores. And during the celebration, he's high-sticked in the face. So the Rangers go from a 5-on-4 to a 5-on-3 plus a goal. Jager comes out of the box, and there's two players in the box so they go they go from a normal power play to a five on three plus they get the goal that's one of the weirdest sequences i've ever seen that's bizarre yeah no yeah, uh, yeah i think yeah yager mike rupp the salute at the winter class it, it just uh that that was a fun year that really was that, that, that was a fun year you know the the winter classic was great richard scoring with a second to go in arizona then 6.6 .6 seconds to go against was it against the capitals in playoffs i think so Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, they tied it, and then Stall scores from the and point. Stall in oh overtime, you know, God! You know. As a kid, that was like everything at the time. It du really was. Dubinsky slamming the Gatorade, Gatorade yes, uh, yes, <laughs> on, the, on the floor against the, the against the Senators. Steven, uh, we're getting into too much nostalgia. All sorry, right. sorry. I think <laughs> the Rangers swept the Flyers six nothing in that season too. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. My goodness, that, that was. <sighs> Fun, love, fun love, stories love of a of a previous Rangers team. That that was that was a really fun ride. Those those, those couple of years leading up to the Stanley Cup final. It, it was, and I always and I always appreciate them. But you know, with that being said, we're almost an hour and forty minutes into this one. Um, so I want to thank everyone so much that chimed in episode forty two Rangers review. We'll be back again after the new year as of now. So I hope everyone has a happy holiday. If you haven't had your holiday already and have a very happy new year. Thank you guys all so much for making uh, this Rangers podcast a part of your weekly routine. And yeah, we'll be back after the new year. So appreciate you guys so much. Happy holidays to you all. And Steven, let's go Rangers. Merry Christmas. Happy new year. And let's go Rangers.